One likes film, the other TV. Together, they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. All right, back with another episode. And uh, for today in history, we've got a couple significant things. On this day in history, Sesame Street premiered uh, on PBS TV in 1969. And uh, that, that, I thought that was pretty big i mean it's still going i think everybody watched sesame street yeah generations of people right yeah and, and it changes with the time that's it seems like every time they've introduced a new character that's you know i think the last character she was autistic or i can't remember mm-hmm. and um you know so it changes so yeah um and then uh on the same day in 1990 home alone premiered in chicago and i feel like everybody's seen that movie that's like a that's a go-to movie. Yeah, a Christmas classic. We yeah. <laughs> we would watch that year round. Yeah. It's, it's it, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a classic. And I think I I don't know one person who didn't want to be Kevin McAllister. Yeah, I mean when you think about the real situation it's messed up cuz like it was you know like a home invasion but the way it plays out you're kind of like yeah, I, I think I could have done that. Yeah, exactly. All right, we'll get right into this uh, new episode with our headlines, uh, with the biggest news of thus far, um, whether people accept it or not, um, the election finally closed up. Yes. A, a pronounced winner Saturday afternoon with President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Yeah, no, it was, it was a, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say it was a stressful week. It, it was kind of a roller coaster because when it started out, it was so close. And then as the race went along, Joe Biden started to pull away. And then it's just like, okay, when do we get, you know, uh, when do we get the news? We know, we see what's happening. When is it official? Right, right. And the crazy thing is, like, that Saturday, I really, not forgot about it, but I was just doing other stuff. So I didn't even, it was like, I. Right hour until i realized what happened right yeah i uh i think somebody told me i think either my sister told me or i didn't i didn't know right away either then i was like what right right so um as we now know the transition is supposed to occur 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 but given who we are dealing with in the They are dragging their heels. They're filing lawsuits. Yeah, it's, to denounce what the truth of the matter is is that Joe Biden won the presidential election. So right, yeah, they lost and they can't accept it. Yeah, basically. And to top it off, that Saturday, uh, Dave Chappelle returned to SNL to host as he hosted SNL four years ago after yeah. um, the election, twenty sixteen. And of course, he brought his signature critique um, of the situation. Um, I didn't watch, but I heard that um, there were some poignant points he made regarding, you know, this moment, how it occurs to Black people, um, some other stuff I heard wasn't so great, but that's that's what he yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't watch SNL, but um, yeah, I think that's a big point. I think we get so caught up in the Trump loss that, you know, no matter what you think of her, the Kamala Harris news, the Kamala Harris news is, is, is you know, it's history making. That's groundbreaking. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And that is the portion that really has them upset. Yeah. Well, yes, it was Obama winning, but this is... right. Abomination in their eyes, and people try to downplay the fact that she's both black and Indian. Yeah, just because so, of certain things. So yeah, it's it's incredible though. But yeah, these next seventy something days are going to be something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's and it's already spinning out of control. Twitter is aghast just within the last hour over the most. It's, it's <laughs> 
insane the things that are taking place and what people are doing. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Right, right. And in some more somber notes, at the same time, this week we learned uh, passing of two sort of iconic people. First up, um, the news came later, but Friday, the co-creator of Scooby-Doo, Ken Spears, passed away. His oh, family. wow. Yeah. Um, that wasn't news until maybe yesterday. And then, of course, we all learned that the longtime host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek, had lost his battle with pancreatic cancer. I think that one obviously that one hit because I was a Jeopardy fanatic I think a lot of people are but um it it was one of those things where you knew it was going to happen like people with pancreatic pancreatic cancer usually don't right um, survive so it was that thing where I I definitely forgot that had happened because he right. he continued taping new episodes of Jeopardy and they continued to air. He did the champion greatest of all time champion tournament. So um, he actually recorded new episodes all the way up until October 29. Yeah, I saw that. So they, they'll have new episodes with him through Christmas. Um, but it, it's it's sad. He had been hosting that for 37 years. Yeah. And because I'm a Jeopardy fan, and I'm sure like most people are, I'm in the camp that they keep it going. I think you, I think you have to. I, I think it would be weird to to end it, and I don't think it would be disrespect to Alex Trebek, but um, you know, you find somebody that kind of carries on in the same same tune that he did. So, and many people just start throwing out random names. Right. Right. Like alluding to George Stephanopoulos, nobody knows him. Like we no. know, him. <laughs> and many people are like, it's either Lavar Burton, who people know, who has yeah. sort of genial disposition. He did right, right. Most of the intellect is already there, and then people are like, well, Ken Jennings is a pro- is available. I don't know if people really like him. Yeah, he's yeah. That's a that's a good way to put it i'm not sure they do either yeah so we'll just have to see but yeah it, it'll just be weird not to have it right on and just reruns that would be kind of weird too but definitely right. lost to to the tv community and just american pop culture in general right, right. all right and then we have a food for thought article here i do you follow um mediaversity uh, no, this when this popped up, this is the first time I think I've ever really seen it. Yeah, I followed them on Twitter maybe a year or so ago, and they basically review films and TVs based on a scale of of diversity in the show, like representation across. Yeah. The- and I know um, the film, the forty year forty year old version um, that dropped this year, got an uh, surprisingly an A plus. Um, oh. And they rate it on like uh, race, gender, the Bechtel scale, um, LGBTQ, different aspects. And I just thought it was interesting. Um, that's a, a great way to sort of grade a show. Yeah. Especially when people are trying to be more inclusive. Yeah, that's true. So they, they rated um, the first season of Evil. And I just thought it was interesting to read what they spotted as plus points. Um, it definitely said that it passed the Bechtel scale um, where women were having conversations that weren't dominated by men or concentrated about men. Right, right. Even uh, women having discussions among themselves. Uh, they said women share the majority of the dialogue compared to the men on the series. They really do. Um, they gave it a four and a half out of five on race, saying that um, it does a pretty good job, um, especially with uh, Mike Coulter as lead and even, um, um, shoot, what's his name? Who plays Ben? Yeah, I know you're talking about it. I don't think I ever knew his name. <laughs> it should be right here. I'm looking right at the article. Uh, yeah. 
Well, his last name is Manvi. I think it's Asif Manvi. Um, yeah, how, that's what it's. Yeah, how he's portraying a um, uh, an Indian character who is fully fleshed out. Like we see him with a love interest, and we see him being sort of like pessimistic about religion, uh, which is another thing they highlight too. The the diversity of religions. On yeah. Screen which you never really think of when looking yeah, no, at this. Because you have an atheist, a Catholic, and a Muslim. Yeah. And the only thing they graded low on was the LGBTQ representation. Um, and then the sort of um, lack of Black women, which is always... Yeah. A source sort them on television. Um, even though there there were women there, they cited um, Renee Ellis uh, Goldsberry cameo there, but then they sort of uh, downplayed them for that episode right. as Mike and that guy captured. Uh, so they were hoping that improves for the next season. But overall, I got a four point forty four out of five. Yeah, that's not bad. So I just thought it was something interesting to sort of be better um, consumers of television because we get so caught up in certain criteria every time we watch something that we we ourselves sort of ignore other points of diversity, not just you right. know, gender, but religion, um, which, which I never thought about. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, because you do, you wouldn't when you read reviews it yeah the breakdown is never never like this it's always you know it held you for the first 45 minutes then it lost you da 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 da, da. but yeah this is an interesting way to look at shows mm -hmm. and they also examined how uh diverse the writers room was so you have michelle and robert king um the creators that wrote a few episodes but you have you know black women um, writing episodes, you have queer women writing episodes, yeah, women of color, so uh, directing yeah. as well. So it it's it's a, a very interesting website. I've I've never really followed them regularly, even though I follow them on Twitter. But I do want to sort of make it a point to visit them, just as I visit, you know, IndieWire or Hollywood Reporter, just to yeah. I have to bookmark this page because um, they seem to be busy. They've got everything on here. Yeah, they did the first two seasons of Succession, which a B minus isn't terrible, but but given that show is like literally all white people. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to see if they gave. Go ahead. Oh, I'm trying to. The page is loading. I'm trying to see what they gave Westworld this past season. Oh. I, oh my God, this is well, you know what? Let's just move on. This thing is. Yeah. Oh, they gave the C minus. Okay. Yeah. Because for, for some reason, it's taking forever to load. Yeah. It looks like a C is like the average score. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's oh. a lot of things on there with C's. But I mean, that's mainstream television. Yeah. That's you true. Know? So. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, that was. Oh, oh yeah. no, I was just going to say that was the our little article part, the food for thought. So that's not every week, but, you know, we may come back in a couple of weeks with something to talk about. Right, right. Now we'll get ready for our Binge Me Not session where we first up have some trailers that dropped. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. First up um, is Happiest Season. Go ahead. Yeah, no, this one has made a huge buzz on the internet and it just dropped yesterday and already has 1.2 million views on YouTube. And, uh, it's a Christmas film starring, uh, Oh God, Christian Stewart and Mackenzie Davis. And they play a young lesbian couple who are going home to Mackenzie's family. Well, yeah, her family for the holidays. And through the trailer, we find out that her family does not know that she's gay and they believe Kristen Stewart to be a friend at this time. And uh, so we just kind of see how they navigate that and um, 
her coming out and everything and uh we get just a look at that and then um oh god what's his name oh dan levy is in it as well hmm. and i didn't know that claire duvall directed it she also did the screenplay who's claire who claire duvall uh oh god she was like in all the movies in the 90s oh. girl interrupted okay that was her name yeah 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 wow. so yeah, yeah she, that uh she was lasting well i saw her lasting deep as <laughs> yeah the wife of um the daughter yeah okay right. yeah so she's she's behind the movie and so um i don't know it, it, i think anything of christian stewart gets a big following but it looks like a decent christmas movie and the Christmas movies aren't difficult to figure out, so I'm sure halfway through we'll know how it ends, but right, right. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will watch it. Alrighty. And then I just happened to stumble over this trailer on Netflix, YouTube, World Real. It's called Mosul. Um, it's based on true events about a rogue police outfit that um, ends up fighting ISIS in their native Mosul, um, yeah, or took back the city, and I'm pretty sure this was produced by the Russo brothers, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, okay. Anthony and uh, the Russo brothers are behind this. So the one, uh, same people, you know, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Netflix Distraction, right. all that. So um, it's one of the few action films set in the Middle East where white Americans aren't the heroes. Right. So it, it should be interesting, uh, interesting watch. And that drops uh, November 26th. So okay. possibly something for your Thanksgiving. Right. Watching. All right. All right. We'll get into TV now with the Benjamin Knot. Um, I didn't realize, I guess for some reason, HBO's industry is not available live on HBO Max. So I had to watch oh, it. Wow. Yeah, I checked twice with that nine and 10 and it just had the trailer. Oh, and wow. 10 hours later, so I watched it this morning. Um, so industry is the Lena Dunham produced drama on HBO about, um, about five, uh, new interns or hires at a financial committee in London. Pierpoint and Company is what they're called. Okay. Basically highlighting their, their work, sort of the grime of that uh, field. Um, it kind of gives you a... What's, what, what does it give you? Like a Wolf of Wall Street? Kind of but in a dramedy form um it could definitely be it gives you that sort of indie film type okay. uh lena yeah. lena actually directed the first episode uh, called induction oh excuse me so it stars a young black actress um she plays harper stern she's the lead and um other characters include uh gus uh who is I think uh, Harper is the only American, so everyone else is British. Uh, right. So she's sort of like a fish out of water, but um, not to spoil too much, but they just sort of <clears throat> examine, you know, the um, that workload, sort of that pedigree of what it takes to be there, um, sort of corporate politics. Uh, this episode examines, you know, uh, some of the toxic environment, um, for both sexes, yeah, uh, extreme pressure. Some people put themselves under race, gender. It's all in there. Um, so it, it's an interesting pilot, I would say. It would probably sort of settle out <laughs> as the episodes go on, because sort of everywhere this uh, first, but you're just sort of getting an understanding of the premise and the characters. Right. Right. Okay. And then I finished season one of All Rise. I'm so happy right. about because I finally <laughs> um, it kind of left off it because um, of COVID the season was cut short one episode 
really decided to do a virtual episode depicting everyone from home. So like, um, they they experimented with like having a court case virtually um, meetings and whatnot. So that's where it left off. But I believe it debuts the 16th, it's Monday on CBS, so I will be ready. Okay. Huh. <clears throat> yeah, I had planned to watch the industry. I even set up the DVR to record it, and I just I just didn't get to it. So it's uh oh I'm gonna watch it later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to film. I watched uh this was on TCM, I think, and I, I I don't think I knew really what it was before, but the little synopsis of it looked cool. But it ended up being a, a, a really good movie. This was a, um, it's called Near Dark, and it's from 1987. And it's by Catherine Bigelow, who um, did Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker, and she's got some other movies under her belt. Um but it's it's like a western slash vampire movie which sounds strange but uh I, <laughs> it's really hard to explain but there's a young man who lives on a ranch with his father he's going out at night and just kind of looking for fun and he runs into a girl who just happens to be like a vampire and so she you know it's daybreak is coming and she needs to get home and he stops her they make out she bites him he turns into a vampire and then what happens next the rest of the movie is kind of this tug of war between him living this life of like this vampire on the road and doing this uh he's kind of just living in a world of debauchery and whatnot or going back to his family and um he eventually goes back to his family and uh <laughs> through a blood transfusion he turns back to a regular human and and i i know like the description has to sound crazy but when you look at all the reviews for this movie it, it's like it's in the it's in the nineties. It's in I mean it's getting like eight out of tens. It's it's a it's a yeah it's a really 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 good movie. It's it's probably the best vampire movie I've I've ever seen because it's not it's not cheesy. It's just mm-hmm. it's just eighties and it's really well done. I mean Catherine Bigelow is a incredible director, but um it had a oh, what is this. Adrian Pazdar, is that how you say his name? He was in Heroes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill Paxton, who just passed away a couple of years ago. They were both in it, both extremely young at the time, but. Right. Yeah, but no, it was it was good. It was, I'm glad I randomly clicked it because it turned out to be really good. Okay. Yeah. All right, so it sounds like we both have some binge meets we pr- promote for folks to get into. Yes, yes. I mean, All Rise is definitely broadcast, so it has that broadcast feeling. But if you yeah. like legal procedurals and feeling good about the judicial system and people making a difference, it's right up your alley. All right, we'll go from mentioning not to our not segment, where we've been keeping up with uh, two shows weekly here, Undoing on HBO and The Good Lord Bird on Showtime. Yeah. So first, let's just go down the list here. Uh, we had the Good Lord Bird <clears throat> pivotal episode. Yes. Uh, Jesus is walking. Um, this, I, I understand uh, this series examining like a very violent time in American history and the um, outcome we know is very dire, but this episode really put it in perspective, I think, for viewers and um the characters yeah like um there wasn't much humor in this episode as as prior episodes and we sort of were hitting a uh apex yeah john brown and his small small armies dwindling and um the attack on harper's ferry is sort of becoming undone yeah I will say, I think one one of the funniest moments, though, because it stuck out to me, is they uh, he's yelling at hostages and he's trying to change he's he's trying to exchange in hostage or something for breakfast and um, one of them uh, oh 
he's like oh we got a cook in here and i can't remember the dude's name it's like billy or something he's like we'll send you bill something something <laughs> and the guy off camera is like hell no man you can't cook for the damn like this is, oh my god i was in tears i was like that's hilarious it was that, perfect timing that part and when all three of those guys got up when they yes. were <laughs> <laughs> for his brother right. yeah man no it was that was good but yeah you're right the, the humor was definitely uh, dialed down in this episode it was it was very serious yeah because um as we explained you know they're they're a day away from the harper's ferry attack and unfortunately onion forgets to relay the password uh, john brown the signal to the railman to know that they've uh, accumulated the reinforcements right and because of this John Brown's son kills the rail man, thinking he was going to alert uh, people of the the armory. Yeah, yeah, the armory about the insurrection, um, and it just sort of pains me. That was sort of like a betrayal of like the the complex relationship of the white ally, like their position. Like yeah. if you're fighting for black people's freedom, how are you going to shoot a black? Right. No. Yeah. It's it's that that contradiction there, um, and the, the battle was just just gruesome. Eventually, you know, federal troops arrive at their location, um, and despite them seeing you know, men drop around them. Um, John Brown tries to express, you know, resilience for his men, for the cause, keep the faith. Right, but, right. But you can see it. You can just see it. It's... Yeah, it's they, didn't st- they didn't stand a chance. Yeah. And the ending, parting scene, um, John Brown loses his son right yeah. in front of him. And aghast that he couldn't believe that they shot his son. Right. But he I'm, just he just sit, sent him out there with all these troops surrounding him. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. It, it almost pivoted to that, I, uh, the audacity of white people thinking that the government wouldn't do that to them. Yeah. It's yeah, always, that's very true. It's always like, well, you know, they're the ones, these black people, they're the guy, they're acting together because I'm fine. Right until you're not so it was very uh like i said somber sobering episode yeah i agree <clears throat> and then oh, go ahead. oh no no you can go i'll just no go ahead go ahead oh no i was just going to talk about um i i don't think there's been an episode even from the beginning when onion's father got killed that we've seen onion this shaken up Right. Yeah. Right, because as soon as um, I forget his name, but the educated black man was shot. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name, but he it flashed back to his father, which we haven't thought about since since he hasn't thought about since the first episode, really. Right. Yeah. Um, and it it just put in perspective what's happening and how um angry john brown was that onion was even there yeah because it was another flaw in their plan right ethan hawk is i I don't know what he did to prepare for this role but he he seems genuinely like unhinged Mm -hmm. he's he is incredible in this role just incredible Right, and on to something completely different. Yes. We have episode three of Do No Harm. Uh, episode three entitled Do No Harm of HBO's The Undoing. Um, as we saw last episode, uh, Grace Frazier turns her husband in as he's a fugitive murder suspect. He's trained. Yeah. Bell is set. Um, and he goes to jail and um she's struggling with 
the truth that he fathered another child um, on top of cheating on her and on top of being a suspect of murder. Um, We also learned that her father knew about the goings on and loaned him the money. And was the money to pay for the, the boy's tuition? That's what I think, yeah. Okay, because I kind of, yeah. I kind of looked down for a second and missed part of that conversation. Yeah, five hundred thousand dollars or something, but he didn't know what he was using it for. Um, so Grace basically feels betrayed on, um, you know, both sides of the family. Right. And then we get the, I guess, reveal that the police have always looked at her as an accomplice for some reason because she was out roaming the street near the murder scene the night of Alana's death. Yeah, that makes the treatment of her so much more, makes it make sense because it was starting to get a little annoying. Like, okay, something has to be up, so. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if she doesn't remember or if she suppressed it, like, yeah, I don't know. But we're, we're also... Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, we see her have a lot of of these flashbacks and kind of moments where she's reverting to something or she's dreaming it up. So maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll get more about what those moments actually mean. Right. Um, we also have a scene where um, the husband, what's his name? Have they said his name? Uh, oh, God. No, I'm not sure they have. They usually just refer to him as, I know she called him Mr. Alves. You're talking about the... Uh, yeah, Alina's yeah. husband. Yeah. Um, he confronts her, and she accuses him of stalking her. Um, and I, I pay close attention to the way she talks to the police. And... Yeah. I don't know if it's on purpose or the context is there. It feels as if she's talking in a way to to cast all these the blame onto her husband. Yeah, I could get that. Yeah, she does seem kind of because the way she described um, the phone call. You know, my right. husband. I'm terrified. The way she says, you know, he grabbed me from behind, which he did, yeah. but she leaves out the part that, you know, they had a full ass conversation, like he right. he was hugging the son, the way she described uh, Mr. Alvarez stalking her or whatnot. Right. Um, it's always sort of like deflection or I, accusatory, I guess you'd say. I, the way the show is setting up right now, is that we're kind of piecing stuff together. We're getting a little bit, a little bit better idea of what's actually happening. But I feel like the big, massive reveal can either cause the show to be like, whoa, or it's going to completely fall flat. Yeah. Yeah. Because even her therapy sessions with the gay couple, her describing the one guy's infidelity as like, hoping to get caught or because it was dangerous like she's clearly like either speaking of her own desires or her husband Jonathan's like it's very kind of right there (laughs) it's almost like the show's trying to be a little bit more heady than what it needs to be Mm -hmm. yeah and all that all that walking like girl (laughs) yeah there are a lot of shots of her just yeah just like walking and i know like she doesn't have a car like she has a driver you know everything's you know i'm guessing they're in manhattan or upstate new york wherever um but she's just just out walking just aimlessly i don't know yeah so it was interesting to see where it heads to right from here from here yeah 
All right, that's our NOT. We'll now get into our feature presentation where we'll be um, discussing, continue our discussion on season two of Hannibal, which will be episodes four through six. And I set up a little uh, rubric here to help us sort of facilitate this a little better because I think we sort of get lost in just like recapping the episode verbatim. Yeah. So, um, we'll basically take each episode and highlight the murder of the week, if there's one, um, our favorite scenes, a character we especially liked in this episode or didn't like either way, and then we can wrap up with our favorite episodes of the three and sort of um, our conclusion of, the, of these three episodes. Right. So first up, I'm not going to try to pronounce episode four, yeah but um and it means it's a western name for japan for ningmono or simmer dishes traditionally served in the latter half of a kaseki banquet so you know these are later episodes so there you go okay uh, guest star of this episode is amanda Plummer, and she just happens to play the murder of the week so <laughs> um Episode four's murderer um, is some sort of therapist, correct? Yeah, I think she's an acupuncturist, yeah. Acupuncturist, and um, our team first finds a man who's basically a, well, he's deceased, but he's kept in a state where he's become a living beehive. Yeah. Which is very terrifying when you think about it. Is is really creative for I like I, I think I said it last week. I swear this second season seems brand new to me because I don't remember anything. Like yeah, I totally forgot all about this. Yeah. So he's found first person was found on a tree, wasn't he? Uh yeah, he was like in the bend of a tree or something, yeah. Right. And then there's a second one who she's treating actively. We see her basically to bother bottomize him yeah live which is another horrendous scene and a child finds him just roaming the park yeah yeah and she's turned his head into a beehive yeah (laughs) and her sort of um rationale about uh, behind this is she's healing them right um which is very, of course, disturbing. Yeah. I, it was the scene when she put the little pick through his eye, like it was weird because he was complaining about his pain and then she gave him something to paralyze him. And then he's like, I can't feel anything. And then she's like grinning as she stands over him. It's like, oh God. Right. Just mm. And um, I thought that was pretty interesting as it relates to something else in this episode, but we will get that um so let's get to our favorite scenes if we have or scene in in this specific episode yeah yeah i think my favorite scene in this episode would probably be the scene between um oh god her name is oh bella and uh and hannibal just that whole scene because she walks in and he's helping her then he realizes what she's done Mm -hmm. and for a while there you do think that oh wow she just killed herself in front of him like that's crazy and then he flips the coin and it's like well i guess i'll save her life and i don't know it's really it's a really heavy scene because uh it's well acted on both of their parts, but um, yeah, I think that'd probably be my favorite scene of that episode. Right, and it lines up perfectly with um, sort of the the sort of god complex that our murderers sort of possess, seeing right. healing these these people. Um, Hannibal sort of steals Bella's agency and how she wants to to see how her life ends. Um, right. And so like his sociopathic tendencies, he's, he thinks he's exhibiting empathy 
and care in a way, but it's also just controlling and total, totally diminishing um, Bella's agency. Right, absolutely. But an incredible scene nonetheless. Um, I will say my favorite in part of that one is definitely the scene with um, Hannibal and Beverly um, as they're doing the examination of the bodies. And oh, yeah. Just through like the slow dance they're doing um, around each other and how Will's helping her. Um, and yeah. the part where she discovers the stitches are hiding stitches. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, as they examined these victims, they also examined um, one of the past victims of the copycat or whatever, and the mural guy, uh, Hannibal, had stitched, stitched his body to hide that he was missing um, a kidney. A kidney. Yeah. Which is basically his sort of MO uh, signature, so to, so to speak. Um, and then, <laughs> um, sadly, we get that, that final scene of this episode. And this is a scene that drew me into the series because I was not watching this at all on NBC. <laughs> um, but, uh, Beverly, you know, on Hannibal's trail with Will's assistance, yeah. uh, decides to investigate his home and will you know warns her you know do not do not yeah do this by yourself do not assume that he doesn't know you know leave him alone he's dangerous and um the final scene we see her investigating his parlor she's finding the body parts everything and he walks in behind her and she goes to fire and the lights go out and we just hear bullets right right it was at that point I was like, "Oh, maybe the show was good." <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, yeah. Next, uh, favorite or outstanding character of this episode, or least favorite character? I think. Well, we don't get a lot of her, but the little bit we do get, and then she, she's probably on his. <sighs> I think it would have to be, I think it would have to be Beverly just because like, well, I think last week we talked about how everybody switched up on Will so quickly and she did too. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think this episode we start to see her really turn around and listen to him and starts to believe him. And you, you do kind of get the sense of, okay, you know, Will's getting help and then bam, she gets right snatched up. So I, I, I'd have to pick her. And really, next to Will, she's the sharpest member of the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was sad to see her go in such a a hideous hideous way. All right, next we have episode five. Muka, yeah, Mukazu. A small deep bowl used for serving side dishes in a traditional Kasagi meal that precedes the drinking of ceremonial tea. And a guest star in this episode is Jonathan Tucker. So let's go with um do we have a murder this episode? Uh I don't I don't know if we have like a distinct one. Oh no. yeah. Well not like a um like a what I'm trying to say. Well, we kind of do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what we realize. I think we find a murderer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, I, I'll just put this up there, too. Murder of the Week this week, sadly, is Beverly Katz. Um, yeah. And she's, she's discovered at the observatory by Freddie Lowndes. Did Freddie get a tip? Is that how she... I think so. Yeah, I think it, it was like an anonymous tip that she gets and it takes her to the observatory. The observatory. And we find Beverly's body like separated in these yeah. grass pieces of like I don't know what you would call them, like 
in plexiglass. Yeah, yeah, it's like pressed. It's. I remember seeing this and being completely wowed the first time. I, like th- this is a scene that I don't think I'll ever forget. <laughs> right, right. And I will say this is probably the most upsetting thing Freddie's done thus far <laughs> in the series. You know, it was like alerting Jack. Like she was showing like genuine care. Right. Yeah. Which usually she's she's not. So our favorite scenes from this episode. Ooh. Let's see. I'm trying to think back to this one. I I think the the just the realization. I, I think I think we get more of Will starting to play mind games and he starts to do things from his jail cell. He's kind of pulling strings. But when he does the whole thing about saying, you know, we'll put this message out and I want the killer to come and get me. And then when we realize that the killer has been around him this whole time, it's kind of like a, like, whoa, like, you know, you're definitely not expecting that. Right. Right. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So we discovered that, Jonathan Tucker's character, orderly at the asylum, has been Will's sort of admirer. And he admits to killing the bailiff, but yes. not the judge. No, not the judge. On his behalf. Um, for me, my favorite scene, and this is something I totally forgot about, was the murder attempt on Hannibal. Yeah, that was intense. Yeah, I totally forgot that even happened. Like, yeah, and didn't hit me until like he was swimming, and then the way, yeah, right. Like, why was the pool so dark? Like, is that a public place? Like, that's that's what I don't know. I don't know if it's like a like a club or right. if the asylum had a pool. It just looked very secluded and members only, but I, I don't know. They don't really say. No. But yeah, that scene was crazy. Because you think he's a goner. And then yeah. Jack and Lana arrive just in time. And, and in a way, you kind of want him to be a goner. Like, oh, like how would this change the story if they kill Hannibal? But at the same time, you know they're not going to kill him. But right. Kind of- right, exactly. Then next is our favorite characters or outstanding characters. Uh, like I, I'm going to have to stick with Will. This is an episode where he starts wigging out a little more. I think maybe twice we see him grow the antlers. Yes. But he's, he's no longer... Uh, I think he accepts his where he is and now he's like, well... I know I can pull strings from here. I can mess with Hannibal from inside these the cell. So, and he does that. So, mm-hmm. I w- I would definitely agree. Um, him growing the antlers and that sort of signifying transformation from like victim to sort of like a associate of yeah yeah that killer instinct. Yeah, definitely. So that episode ends, like we said, with Jack and Lana saving Hannibal from Will's uh, assassination attempt, basically. And he shows really no remorse. Um, Yeah, no. Not at all. Which brings us to episode six, uh, Futamono, a mid-mill course, which is basically, you know, we're halfway through the season at this point. with 13 episodes. Um... The murder of the week this time is the victim planted in the ground with the organs replaced with poisonous plants. Yeah. This one was sort of perplexing a bit. Yeah. First. Um, because we see that the victim was a local city councilman. Yeah. And he was drowned for being mutilated, and there's no really rhyme or reason as to why. As to why, yeah. But we see it as <clears throat> we later learn that this was a, a victim of the Chesapeake Ripper, sort of 
posing in in front of everyone, sort of like a calling card. Right. Saying that he's back or whatnot. Um, and it really embodies um, sort of the pattern that Will sort of is trying to push to Jack because soon enough, uh, Hannibal is hosting a dinner party. Yeah. And this is sort of also the time where Jack sort of finally gets on board to to what's going on um, somewhat. Yeah, because in the kind of in the middle, the last episode in the beginning part of this, he's talking to, uh, what's the doctor's name? Chilton? His, yeah. I think it's Dr. Chilton. Mm-hmm. And Chilton is starting to put in his head like Hannibal's not who we think we are, who he thinks he is. Who oh God, Hannibal is not who we think that he the person he is. And um and, and he even comes out straight straight out and says that, you know, I think he's a cannibal. You know, he talks about the food and everything. And so yeah. Correct. All right. So our favorite scenes. Um now my favorite scene is when he is with uh oh god, I can't think of his name. Oh, Gideon. And and I think they're in Hannibal's house. And it's after Gideon has fallen and broken his back. And then Hannibal breaks him out of the hospital. And he's serving him food. And you see him prep this big food, wrapping a big leaf. He cooks it in clay. And then they pan down to Gideon's leg. And it's now missing. And you get and then you get the realization, like, holy crap, he just cooked him his leg and now he's feeding it to him. Insane. Yeah, that thing that's one of the best scenes of this series. Definitely. The way that man was treated throughout this this show. Actor <laughs> <laughs> went through it. <laughs> yeah. he, um he I think my favorite scene um may boil down to uh the scene at the dinner party where Jack at the last minute decides, you know, he has to go. Yeah. Food up and you can see a slight, you know, discomfort in Hannibal for the first time. Yeah, he, he seems worried. Yeah, like uh, a disgust. And that alludes to the fact that part of his psychosis um, is that, you know, food, not wrapped properly spoils. And that's why, you know, he cooks everything fresh and whatnot. Jack packing that food up like that, George disturbs sort of like his OCD with cooking. Um, It it was just a nice little little tidbit in there. Um, But we realized later why um, Jack does that specifically. Yeah. Um, And then we have uh the largest scene um we'll get to that later um who's your outstanding character of the episode <clears throat> um i'm gonna do outstanding and then least favorite through okay. these three episodes i absolutely wanted to push elena elena off a cliff i boy <laughs> she she took over for freddie Lowndes for a couple of these episodes especially the the second and third one it's just like mm-hmm. Okay, but I I think for this final episode, especially after all that he's going through with his wife, I think I'd have to pick Jack and just kind of like you just mentioned the 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 turn and personality we're starting to see with him. Right, right. He's finally sort of catching up to what Will's been trying to tell him. Right. Um. Yeah, I would say Jack just for um sort of his aha moment. And Alana, yeah, she became downright annoying because this is when oh, God. confirmed that she's sleeping with Hannibal. Um, yeah. And he basically like date rape her. In a way. And then he, didn't he take some of her hair? Yeah, it was all part of his plan to get Gideon and everything. Yeah. He, cause She's at had his house to have dinner, drinks the wine, they have relations, but then she's like knocked out the next morning. So yeah, 
he basically has an alibi basically for for his whereabouts um but yeah she was just tripping yeah she was annoying (laughs) and that's the only thing the only hiccup all of that the alibi and everything and no one asks him about the humongous gash in his left arm yeah like wait a second (laughs) because they're very particular to keep it there it's not like he got injured and then it just disappeared. Like it's right. the scar. Right. Um, so like we said, Jack, um, when he took that food home, he actually took it to the lab to test it to see if it was, you know, human um, DNA right. inside. Right. And through all of that, through um, the Gideon escape and then capture and whatnot, we get the biggest revelation at the end of this episode which is that Jack finds Miriam Lass alive. Yeah. Which totally, um, I knew it was coming, but once again, I sort of forgot it was coming. Yeah. And And I think, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, at some point, um, oh, what is it that they do? They do something that lets us know that they they find out that the there was never a copycat killer. Right, right. Yeah. I forget what it was. It, it's something about of the 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 twine or something that is something is tied or like there's a fish hook that has DNA from all the people that they found. Right. Yeah, and the and that's when they're like, "Wow, we just found our killer." Like, there's never been a copycat killer. Right, because the evidence begins to clear Will's name. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So they find piece together that the Chesapeake Ripper and the copycat are the same person. Right. You're right. That's right. And I found it interesting that Miriam was in a prison very similar to that, which was in uh, Silence of the Lambs, where uh, Guy kept the girl. Yeah very similar so maybe like a little easter egg there yeah so what is your favorite episode of these three episodes four through six (laughs) that i would have to say oh man i'd have to say the one with with beverly just that how that played out and you know unfortunately because she was such a good character but um, just that scene of them finding her body because at first you see they start looking at her face and she's in that glass and you know she's dead and then they pan around and then you see all the other parts of her and so yeah I definitely have to pick that one yeah the episode hits pretty hard because you have yeah. not only the loss of a character but the loss of someone that was basically Will's only living hope and exonerating his name right exactly yeah um yeah i'd say that too also for um jonathan tucker in that episode as well yeah the the scene with him trying to kill hannibal just just incredible and you wouldn't you wouldn't expect i like because it showed that hannibal was vulnerable you know sometimes shows depict a villain character and antagonist as being like impenetrable but yeah yeah it really kept him human despite despite his sort of like inhuman sensibilities right yeah all right so before we get out of here what are you streaming for the weekend okay so i'm gonna watch the first episode of industry and check that out and then um uh, I've been watching Fargo, and every time I watch Fargo, they keep showing the commercial for the show A Teacher, starring Kate Mara. And it, I finally got the plot. She's literally a teacher that sleeps with a student. But um, I, I don't think they show every episode. I went to the Wikipedia page, and I think it's like three episodes came out on the 10th, and then oh, yeah. there's going to be One. a couple yeah a couple more on the 17th so I'll, i think i'm going to try to get through those first three and just see how it is okay yeah for me um 
Friday, Netflix drops the uh, film Jingle Jangle, which is like oh. the holiday, Black holiday musical film um, starring Forrest Whitaker, uh, Michael Keegan Key, Felicia Rashad, uh, I need to know the Rose, like the cast is incredible. Ricky Martin, for some reason, is in this. <laughs> Um, so something uh, to get you in the holiday mood. It looks really good. And then um, there's some shows I want to try to start again that I've been meaning on my watch list once again. So, but all this binge or not, hopefully next week. Right, right. Yeah, I, I have. I did. I what I did was I went through my Netflix queue and my queue for. Amazon and took out all the shows and so I'm just going to knock out a movie a night or maybe even two if I can do it so mm-hmm. I've, I've written down in a notebook the stuff I need to watch and which network and just trying to decide okay this day I watch nothing but Hulu stuff so let me right. watch this once weekly or something like that just to sort of chop at the beanstalk that is right. it's just so much yeah, it really is. Right. Uh, before we get out of here, make sure to follow us on socials at AS Life Podcast and <clears throat> make sure to get more content at streamablelife.wordpress.com. As we always mm-hmm. say, keep on streaming. All right. Peace. Thank you for listening to another edition of It's a Streamable Life. If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast on Apple Podcasts and all other major platforms. And for more content, follow us on our socials at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at AS Life Podcast. Mm-hmm.